One of the greatest that has ever done it. I mean, if the Big Bash and the IPL were on now, this guy would go for top dollar. Yes. Oh, it is a shame that he was born way too early, let's be fair. Uh, and that's our next guest. He played 21 first-class games uh, across his career, and he was one of, yeah, one of the premier big hitters of the world, and that's Aiden Blizzard. G'day, Aiden. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. What an intro. I haven't had one of those for a decade at least. <laughs> well, that's how we roll, mate. That's how we do. We want to pump The big you guns. Up. Yes. Now, well, just, just, um, just, well, where do we start? Uh, we'll start with um, your, your, your incredible history with the, with the Big Bash and the 2020 games. What is it? You won five, to, five BBL championships? Yeah, five in total. Um, it was back. We, I, I was year two of the the original Big Bash. I started uh, playing with Victoria, so we won three there, and crossed to the South Australia guys across the border and won one where there, and then uh, one with the Sydney Thunder before I uh, finished up. So very lucky to play with some good players and ride the coattails and take home a couple of trophies. Aiden, it was here. Uh, you spent some time over uh, in India. What was that like? And I mean, your eyes must have lit up when this sort of competition came in because you could hit the ball. <laughs> they did. Um, yeah, I, spent, uh, I spent about four seasons with uh, the Mumbai Indians. So uh, if you guys can cast your memories way back, um, like Sachin Tendulkar was there. We had Rohit Sharma, Lasif Malinga, Kiran Pollard, Habajan Singh. Uh, Ricky Ponting came through a couple of times. Um, the list was uh, it was almost a storybook for for me growing up in country Victorian Shepparton, um, playing a little bit of state cricket. I think footy was probably more my jam when I was a kid, and um, yeah, just all the, the planets or the stars aligned with that. But um, yeah, the competitions across the world have just taken off. So. Um, I might have been a little bit unlucky being born when I was, but I was just I just snuck in for that T20 stuff. But the competitions around the world have gone phenomenal. So you're seeing competitions in the US now, like uh, Dubai is competing with big bash for players. Like I don't think we ever would have thought that. And then you're seeing these uh, IPL franchises purchasing uh, clubs and uh, franchises around the world as well. So it's a super exciting type of T20 cricket. Um, but yeah, I was super fortunate to, to get an opportunity Opportunity and as I said, to, to play with some of those guys, and um, I think I was sitting on the sidelines for two IPL championships as well. So it was a phenomenal experience, and I still pinch myself uh, talking about it, to be honest. And I just just on yourself, um, growing up in the country, and uh, then going into the uh, team cricketing sport back in those days, was it, was your nickname simply like uh, Snowy or something like that, or did you, did you cop a did you cop a nickname? <laughs> No, I didn't actually. I was just Blizz for most of it. Um, I've got here on Wikipedia, it says Frosty. Frosty, no, I got Zard. Zard a bit. Um, Someone called me Snowflake once. Um, And that was was as adventurous as it got. But I, I can honestly say around the world that cricket nicknames are either way too obscene to be able to be mentioned at any reasonable hour of the day, or they're just boring as boring as batshit. So I, 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 uh, I got Blizz, and Blizz stuck. I was <laughs> so hoping you'd go sure into a few. I'm not sure where that Wikipedia came from, but uh, there's some good editing going on by the looks. There is, there is, Frosty, no worries. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, I, I want to go. That one of my, we've just seen it, and that was uh, during the break. Uh, yeah, six you hit at the whacker uh, in one of the first editions of the the Big Bash. Uh, just 
Is, is that was that just hit that crispy that it, you could never do it again or crisply? Yeah, it was one of those moments where everything just aligned and um, I managed to hit it. It was in a final at the Wacker. I think I got 28 off that over. <laughs> and um, Brad Hodge and I used to open and it was the rule was, please, you got to get through the first six balls and then you can go. So that's what we did and um, just managed to get one perfectly. I don't think it was the best bat I've ever had either. I think I've had plenty of betters, but uh, went up into the breeze slightly and just kept going. But I also joke with um, some mates, every time I used to go to the UK, you'd hear, I would hear um, that hit. And then I think uh, Sean Irvine was on the microphone at the time. He was mic'd up on the field and I, you would hear that all the time. And I think that was my claim to fame. I've, I was a nice bloke and all that sort of stuff, but I was just known as that guy who hit six out of the wacker. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was just incredible. It ended up on the what was it, the, the cricket net or just yeah. the next yeah, the oval across or yeah. over the Swan River? It was amazing. <laughs> it went 750 metres <laughs> so I've taxed it nicely not sure what percentage of tax it is but it's about 750 at the moment a couple of years of no, just keep, keep it going uh, now uh, I'm not too sure have you paid much attention to the Big Bash this year? Yeah, a little bit. Look, um, the company I work for, we actually run a hell of a lot of stadiums around Australia, so we look after um, quite a number of big bash teams. So it's, um, I feel like the crowds are back, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, last year it was, it was a bit of a lull coming out of COVID, but I feel like crowds are back. The five-game five format seemed to have created some urgency and some people to arrive. So I, I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. There's been some good batting. I think the spinners are still doing a good job. Um will be interesting to see the next the semi-finals um, over the next couple of days with obviously some players have departed and the Aussies are back playing as well. So, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm wrapped with uh, the progress of, of, of getting fans back. I think it's an important uh, competition to engage young audiences, particularly when you've got, um, you've got like the test of, against the West Indies going at the moment where they get bowled out for not many today. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an important competition for Australian cricket. And Blizz, there's many fears around, uh, especially recently, that T20 uh, cricket is taking over and Test cricket is dying. How how do you sort of see that uh, see that unfolding? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, the challenge that we've got here in Australia, we've got these marquee um, matches in Boxing Day and Sydney Test, so. Um, Creating windows outside of that for the Big Bash to fit in is really, really tricky. Um, basically, the Big Bash was uh, sort of formulated around protecting that Boxing Day test. If anything ever happened to, to cricket, um, that window has sort of been occupied. But I think the challenge is obviously the, the widening gap between Australia, England and uh, India in terms of the competition. So I think the test cricket sh- should always be around, but it's just there's a real challenge for almost those tier two teams that are coming out and, and playing Australian and Australian conditions. Like you watch um, England, if they're not at full strength or not at their A game or even India, they're not coming close to Australia at home. So there's there's an ongoing challenge there. But I think Test cricket will be around um, for my lifetime. But I think the yeah, I, I think there's a big challenge there uh, that, that needs to be solved in some way, shape or form without... Um, diluting the T20 game, which is absolutely uh, beginning to take over once these these uh, Indian franchises continue to absorb and the private dollars come in. I think the private dollars are great. 
entertainment and getting the best players out. But yeah, there's a, there's a delicate balance that I hope the administrators that are much smarter than I um, can can figure out. And Blues, back to um, your time overseas, and you mentioned all the players that you you played with. Is who did you sit back and just see hit the ball and just go, you know, wow. Uh, Sachin was one. Um, one of the one of the funny <laughs> things with Sachin was uh, this guy could bat. He'd turn up and bat for an hour. So um, he bat for an hour, and we just have net bowlers bowling to him. And back then, when I was not in the team, which was for most of the times that I was there, I think the net bowlers were exhausted by the time I'd put my pads on. So I'd probably get about five minutes of a hit, and, <laughs> and, and that would be it. So it's a long time sitting around a hotel room and doing that, but. Sachin was one. Um, Lassa Malinga's skills were phenomenal. I was always fascinated watching him. He'd actually put two shoes on the ground where a batter would um, would bat, and often he would just bowl at the back shoe to try and hit the back shoe. Um, and he'd hit it probably six or seven times out of ten. Um, so those two were, were phenomenal. And then um, one that I was really not shocked at, but just, um, just to... Um, be around Ricky Ponting uh, when he transitioned into coaching and um, the the cricket brain that he has is is quite phenomenal and you'll see it on the broadcast, some of the things he says um, that people don't necessarily pick up on but if you're in, in sort of the cricket inner sanctum and you're in a team or and or you know uh, sort of the intricacies of mindsets and form, his, his brain and an eye for that is quite phenomenal so Australia's got a pretty good coach in Andrew McDonald um, at the moment, but um, seeing Ricky go about his work is it was fascinating and um, quite phenomenal. I was not not shocked, but just in awe of every everyone I'd ever seen in cricket. He sort of had all of that and 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 plenty more. So no surprise that he's done so well, and no surprise that he's almost the Richie Benno of the uh, of the Channel Seven commentary team. He's definitely the boss there. He does an amazing job, but those. Those three probably were the standouts. And what was it like travelling with those types of cricketers, Blizz? Um, we, we hear of the stories of, of cricketers travelling around India. Um, what was it like travelling around with especially Sachin? <laughs> uh, I learned my lesson early on. Um, he was sitting just in front of me on the plane and we got off and I got squashed uh, as we got off the plane. Um, and it was more so from the security guards trying to get photos with him and protect him while the uh, general public were trying to get close to him as well. So I think um, well, the team manager dragged me back and um, we just had a little breather, a little drinks break, and then uh, started walking probably about 30 or 40 metres behind. Um, no, no word of a lie, that was... Uh, that, that happened everywhere we went. But uh, also it was quite surreal. Like um, my hometown was Shepparton. I might know probably you know, a handful of people if I walked down the main street. But to walk down the main street in Mumbai um, during my IPL days, we needed to have a plain close security guard with us, um, which I thought was quite overkill until the time where I didn't have it. <laughs> and, um, there was a line of 20 people or 30 people outside of a store uh, that I'd taken my um, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, into a store, and um, we had to to call call security to come and come and help us out. So um, that is phenomenal. And like you walk through an airport with your Sydney Thunder kit on, and ninety nine percent of people wouldn't know who you were. So uh, phenomenal experience. One that I'm pretty keen not to go back to ever. But um, a great insight to the wow, the ch- daily challenges of being an international 
celebrity slash cricketer. Awesome. <laughs> so incredible. Uh, so, you know, you also, yeah, as you say, you, you run a business. It's also got a, a tennis aspect to it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so I, I work, I've, I've, I've got my own business. I run a bit of um, mindset coaching for, for athletes, which is um, taking a little bit of a backseat. The, the company I work for, um, Kojo, is actually, it's a creative agency with a film arm, a creative arm and a um, sport marketing sort of arm. So we, um, we run stadiums around the country, sports presentations. So if you go to the go to the cricket and you see the LEDs and the big screen and the anthem singers and all the music and entertainment pyros, that's what what we do. But, yeah, we just recently um, delivered the Hobart International down here in Tasmania. And, um, yeah, I must say the uh, the AO, uh, Australian Open, is a phenomenal experience for anyone who's going. But um, for a boutique tournament down here, they, uh, the guys did an amazing job. So it's great to... Great to see some of the best women's tennis players in action and interacting with fans um, in Tasmania, of all places. It's uh, a beautiful little island, particularly when the sun's out, but uh, the sun was yeah. nice to us. It's, so uh, when's that? It's been all day today. Uh, just finished. Uh, <laughs> finished a few days before. <laughs> a few days before we having this chat, the sun finished and we got the, we got the fire back on. No, we don't really. But uh, we, get, we get little moments. You know, uh, we all often joke about the people in the UK take their shirts off and get sunburned at the first sign of sun. Well, we do that down here as well. So uh, walk around lobster-bodied half of the year because the sun came out once. <laughs> and Ada, just one last one from me. Um, where are you playing your cricket nowadays and... and um... Are you still hitting the hitting the ball around like you once did? <laughs> my my current cricket career, I, I do a little bit of um, coaching with Lindisfarne Cricket Club down here, who's uh, which is one of the Premier League clubs. I've actually played a game since my last Sydney Thunder game, and ironically, uh-huh. I feel like it was a um, I feel like it was a fitting end where I cr- probably could have hit it over cover at about fifty percent and would have got a boundary for it. Instead, I tried to hit it over long on and got caught about. Hand me it is in from the boundary, and that was probably the story of my career. Yes. Um, so I pulled, pulled up stumps there. I've been hit in the backyard with uh, with my seven year old at times, but um, haven't quite yet succumbed to the the offers from the local cricket clubs down here in uh, country Tasmania. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still involved. I obviously deliver a lot of big bash in WBBL as well and sort of involved in the delivery of uh, international cricket. So still involved, but, um, yeah, just justifying Tuesday, Thursday and Saturdays uh, on top of plenty of travel is a little bit tricky at the moment. I'm sure it'll change when the boys are a little bit older. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Now, tell us, uh, you're, I mean, you're obviously in Hobart. Can it support an AFL team? Support an AFL team down here? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all in for that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Building the stadium um, I don't and everything. Support anyone, any, I, yeah, I'm all in. Well, hopefully our company can uh, can win the contract as well. That'd be great. But yes. um, no, I think it's I think the AFL expanding to Tasmania is a natural evolution, and um, it'll only be good for the AFL. There's obviously the Jack Jumpers are doing amazing things down here um, in the community. So I think an AFL club will definitely be well supported from from the locals, the economy here, and also I'm sure there'll be some national brands that will want to get behind it. Will it happen, though? I mean, I've got a sibling that lives in Hobart as well, and uh, she was saying over Christmas that uh, she, she thinks that there's better things to get than a big stadium and a footy team. 
<laughs> Look, I think you could ask a million people in the street and you get a million different answers. I think um, it seems like the summer's a great time to be in Tasmania um, with all of the sport that goes on. And um, the winter, obviously, there's a sizable gap with only, uh, I think, well, North Melbourne played two games in Hobart and Hawthorne play uh, four, sorry, four games in Hobart and um, Hawthorne play four up at Launceston. So uh, there's definitely a gap in the market. Um, the politics around stadiums and locations I'll leave to the politicians. There's uh, there's plenty for it and against. So um, hopefully uh, I'm all in to, for a team. So hopefully it'll all sort itself out um, in the very, very, very near future. Yeah, no, yeah, we're, we're all, in here. We're, we're in. All, we're all in. It's gonna, it should be fantastic, and we're all about the uh, Hobart footy team, or Tassie team, as it might be called. Tassie. Uh, yes. Tassie, Tassie, Tigers, <laughs> or Devils, or whatever they're in. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm all in as well. Very good. Hey, Aiden, we'll leave it there, mate. Uh, it's been great to catch up. Great to get your story and reminisce about your cricket career, mate. Um, uh, it's, it's been a joy. Uh, good luck with everything that you're continuing to do. So... Uh, it seems like you've uh, got it all under control. But uh, thanks for giving us some of your time. No, no problem. Thanks, guys, for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks, please. Thank you. There we go. Aiden Blizzard, uh, the former. Well, well, he went around the world, didn't he? But he played for Victoria. He played for South Australia, the Mumbai Indians.